given the right surroundings and encouragement, I'll bet that that man could run our company as well as your young Winthorpe. Are we talking about a wager, Randolph? I suppose you think Winthorpe, say if he were to lose his job, would resort to holding up people on the streets? No, I don't think just losing his job would be enough for Winthorpe. I think we'd have to heap a little more misfortune on those narrow shoulders. If he lost his job and his home and his fiancée and his friends, if he were somehow disgraced and arrested by the police and thrown in jail even, yes, I'm sure he'd take the crime like a fish to water. You'd have to put him in the wrong surroundings, of course, with the worst sort of people. I mean, real scum, Randall. We've done it before. This time, it's in a good cause. How much you want to bet? The usual amount. Why not? Yeah, you know, it occurs to me that the best way to hurt rich people is by turning them into poor people. This is the Pool Scene Podcast, but you're here, you're listening, you know that. We appreciate all of you pool sceners. You didn't stumble into our podcast accidentally. No, it's I would not say not. It's like you're not. flipping podcast channels. Hey, go check these guys out. And you stumbled on one like we used to do on television before we even had a TV guide. Oh, remember those days when you had to literally be meticulous with where am I going and I need to commit myself to this. You had no idea what you were watching. I love it. It was a smorgasbord. It was chat roulette before chat roulette dicks. You will also know by the sound of my voice that I'm Kevin, along with the voice of my co-host, Jim. How's it going, Kevin? Feeling good. <laughs> we <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Jesus. We have a third voice this week returning for a second time is TJ. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, guys? TJ, last time you were here, you joined us for Beverly Hills Cop 3 and provided us with how Axel Foley managed to Photoshop himself onto and redesign <laughs> counterfeit money in a matter of seconds. In the, in, was it 90? Was that 90? 94. 94? Yeah, he was ahead of his time. Yeah. He was way ahead of his time. Just something all police had to know how to do, I guess. Yeah. If you're ever in a situation where you need to Photoshop and counterfeit money, this is how you do it. Thank you for joining us for another movie directed by John Landis starring Eddie Murphy. This time, one from Eddie Murphy's Prime, 1983's Trading Places, which also stars our favorite member of the We Are the World Choir, Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. This movie was written by Timothy Harris and was inspired by his real life in ways. He lived in poor conditions similar to Billy Ray Valentine, where there was lots of crime. I don't know the context, but he regularly played tennis against a very rich but very frugal pair of brothers who bet on everything, and so an idea was born. Originally, the script was sold to Paramount under the title Black and White. Wow, that's not suggestive at all what this movie could be about. Landis loved the idea and its similarities to 1930s screwball comedies, but he hated the title. The tagline to go along with his new title, Trading Places, is they're not just getting rich, they're getting even. Yeah, that's good. Not too bad. That's no, one right of the better the ones we've heard. Not like Dream a Little Dream. No, or some of these, like uh, was a whole Last synopsis. Dragon. Remember Last Dragon? Oh, Jesus, yeah. It was like paragraphs. Jim, based on the tag line let's hear how well this performed at the box office against its budget and number ones and news at time of release from wuab channel 43 where the news comes first 
This is the 10 o'clock news. Trading places came out July 8th, 1983. Our first 1983 movie here on the podcast with a whopping $15 million budget and it made $120 million at the box office. Smash hit for one Mr. Edward Murphy and Daniel Ackroyd. Gas at this time was a buck twenty-two a gallon, and the number one toy at Toys R Us and Children's Palace were the Cabbage Patch Kids. Good parents make Cabbage Patch Kids. The Cabbage Patch My Kids. Baby. Each doll is different, and you can pretend to adopt them. My baby has a real diaper. You can love and care for them like your very own. You're a pal. You're the only one. I love you. They're each one of a kind. They're Cabbage Patch Kids. You can give them all your love. Cabbage Patch Kids are each sold separately. Each doll comes with a pretend birth certificate and adoption papers from Coleco. I remember my mom getting all into that craze for some weird-ass reason. She's like, you need a Cabbage Patch Kid. And I'm like, are any of the old ones worth any money now? Uh... Not as much because the market got so oversaturated. But I remember my mom going ape about that and getting me a Cabbage Patch doll from Hills. But I can always remember the smell of a Cabbage Patch kid. The plastic was really weird. (laughs) I wish it did. But I might have named my CPK Cabbage. I might have. Cabbage? Cabbage. C-A-B-I-T-C-H. Cabbage. Cabbage. I remember the smell of uh, Masters Universe He-Man toys. I the rubber heads. They the, were, yeah. yeah those like are I really can, good ones. Stinkor and Moss Man, I can vividly remember See, what they smelled like. I never had Stinkor because I you was allowed. There, I wasn't allowed. Yeah, I wasn't allowed. And then if I were to be allowed to have one, I know the smell would have probably encapsulated my home <laughs> <laughs> pretty badly. But, Kevin, we didn't do it last week. So at this time, we have to give our Moonfall update. Moonfall, it's the Moonfall, Halle Berry, and Space Shuttles, and the Moon, Moonfall, the Moon is falling, Halle Berry, and Space Shuttles, it's Moonfall. Currently, as we are recording this podcast on March the 15th, 2022, Moonfall, remember, had a budget of between 138 and 146 million. It is now made, Kevin, 39 and a half million. <laughs> okay. Whoa. So, I think it's about done. I think we're, we could probably close the book. I, I just pulled yes. up show times for Moonfall. Nothing local. The closest theater in Solon. Yeah. Dang so we're, you missed know. it. No, you missed it. Yeah, blame me. You didn't miss it much. Was, it's well, it's Jackass's fault. They should have they should have delayed the release till summer. Everyone wants to, you know. Now here's the thing, TJ. Would you have actually have gone to see Moonfall? Well, I did have the choice of okay. Jackass and Moonfall. So if Jackass wouldn't have been there, you would have said, you know, whatever. Let's go see Halle Berry. Check out Moonfall. Yeah, I probably would have. But I just, I usually go. TJ, you made the best decision of your life on that one. Because well, Kevin and I sat through that. It's a Roland Emmerich movie, right? Yeah. Well, how bad could it be? I mean, you know what you're getting, right? And it's well, like, you know, yeah. it's like, you know. Yeah. 
I get we kind of well, Kevin and you I guys knew. see Roland Emmerich movies hoping it'll be the original Independence Day but yeah. unfortunately when you see a Roland Emmerich movie now you get uh, Independence Day resurgence my, my bar is uh what is it the day after tomorrow okay you know it, Kevin hates that movie. I do I hate that that's, movie that's where it starts for him for me yeah. do we dare even cover that no, movie no. Do, do we not even it's go a there classic they work Dennis so hard Quaid? on the um on the physics is Jake Gyllenhaal is his son in that movie yeah yeah JG okay has to fight wolves when it's a negative 6,000 degrees. Because that makes run from the cold. Yeah. What's worse, the cold scene in that or the happening? The oh. air scene? What's more unrealistic? That's a, that's rough. When we did the happening, that was funny just to cover that scene because it's like, this is absolutely ridiculous. But that cold scene is almost the same thing it's if you think about thing, it. Yeah. But yeah. everybody everybody hates on the happening. Yeah. But they did it. You know, with ice and, you know, it's not like, that's not how cold travels. Right? I wish they would have done a, <laughs> I wish they would have done a sequel to The Happening. I'm just saying, I wish they did. They will. They'll just not tell us. It'll the rehappening. Uh, it's like happening. A, it's happening. Again. Yeah, What's yeah. happening? <laughs> What's happening? So I got something different for you this time, Kevin. Actually not different. Covered it last week, Kevin. It was your inspiration. So I'm going to keep it going. Your big events of 1983. Plinko debuts on The Price is Right. Probably the best game, I would have to say, on The Price is Right. Yeah. I like Hole in One. I like the dude, the, the mountain climber dude. You know, all idiot. Yeah, that that one. Cool. That's yeah. cool. I like that. Well, now they have that whole game show that's just Plinko, pretty much. The, the wall is just yeah. Plinko. Yeah, that's all it is. A giant Plinko with Chris Hardwick, right? It's, oh, God, Chris Hardwick. NBC releases their television movie special bulletin about a nuclear terrorist attack in Charleston Harbor. ABC later in 1983 in November counters with the day after, which was watched by over 100 million people. It's still one of the highest rated TV shows of all time. And that influenced Ronald Reagan, the president of the United States at the time, to look differently at the Soviet Union and nuclear disarmament. As we probably will be in World War III in the next six months. Watch those two movies. It's very interesting. Speaking of high ratings, Kevin, TJ, more than 125 million Americans watched the 251st and final episode of MASH on CBS. And the name of that episode was Goodbye, Farewell. Amen. It would be the most viewed television broadcast in United States history until Super Bowl 51. They were in purgatory the whole time. Right? <laughs> they were in a snow globe. As they panned out, there was a kid in a goddamn they all bed. got mashed. You know what? If we ever do an episode of the worst television finales of all time, I will go to bat until I am blue in the face about how bad saint elsewhere was god that really still pissed me off to this day kurt loader what's up buddy haven't heard from you in a while hope everything's okay hi i'm kurt loader with an mtv news brief whitney houston makes her national television debut when she performs on the merv griffin show so the world finally sees the majesty that was one Miss Whitney Houston. Somebody who wasn't Whitney Houston, Kiss, officially appears in public without makeup. Jesus Christ! For the first time since its early days on MTV, which coincided with the release of Lick It Up! Because after you saw them without face paint, you really don't want anybody getting licked by Kiss. Unless you're Gene Simmons, he seemed to lick fucking everything. 
The epic, nearly 14-minute-long music video for Michael Jackson's Thriller is broadcast for the first time. It becomes the most often repeated and famous music video of all time and increases Jackson's own popularity and the sales of the record album Thriller. I mean, come on. Wasn't that uh, directed by Landis, too? Yes, it was. Isn't it? There we go. Another John Landis tie-in high five, TJ. That's very intimate high five. Give me another one. I'm not used to touching humans. You know what? We're going to hold each other's hand as we do this. George! How's it going, buddy, as I hold TJ's hands? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. TJ, did you know that the first televised United States football game between the Los Angeles Express and the New Jersey Generals is broadcast by ABC? The Express would ultimately win the game 20-15. to 15. Amazing. TJ, are you ready for the new USFL? The new season starts next month. Are you ready? I'm so excited, man. Um, I can't believe the managers were able to, you know, pull off such a great feat. I'm looking forward to it. TJ, who is your team this year in the USFL? Who is going to win that USFL championship come August? Uh, the Ham Dogs. Ham Dogs. He's going with Hamilton. I'm going for the Tampa Bay Bandits because I'm ready to play bandit ball. That's a real team, though, isn't it? Tampa Bay Bandits is because when the initial USFL was around, one of the co-owners of the Tampa Bay Bandits won Burt Reynolds. That's why they were named the Bandits. So pretty fucking cool. Mustaches on their helmets or something. God, he's the sexiest mustache probably ever next to Orange Juice Jones. The number one movie in America, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I mean, come on. That Return of the Jedi was an amazing cap off of the first trilogy. TJ, what was your favorite of the first trilogy? What's your overall favorite Star Wars movie? What's the one where they go to the the swamp? Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that's Empire. I yeah, like okay. Strikes Back. Okay. Everybody hates Strikes Back, don't they? I love Empire. That's my favorite. Overall, overall. you guys you guys probably hate me. Um, Uh-oh. Because I like Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, okay. that's Revenge of the shit. Yeah. yeah that's I like it, actually. Favorite. Yeah. I like it. You are the chosen one! Yeah. No. <laughs> and the number one song in America at this time, Flashdance, parentheses, What a Feeling, Irene Cara. Great song. And that's all that was going on around this time, 8th of July, 1983. You ever see Indian Thriller? Indian Thriller? The backing track is called uh, Golimar, uh, which I think translates to Girly Man. And it's from a 1985 movie called Donga. What? It's awesome. What the hell? Where did this come from? Because you're talking about Thriller. I've never heard this before. Yeah, there's an Indian knockoff of Thriller that's actually legitimately pretty awesome okay i'll check that out they work pretty hard on their knockoffs they do they're 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 bollywood i mean for god's sake it's take a genius to figure out what happened it's the same guy who tried to rob the payroll no doubt about it that's him he planted the drugs on me Rahim, Mohammed, Larry, how you guys doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know those people? All right, let's buy into the plot. The plot revolves around the idea of nature versus nurture. There's a commodities firm in Philadelphia owned by brothers Randolph and Mortimer Duke. 
What great rich names. Perfect. Who decide to make a wager. They're going to find two people on opposite sides of the social hierarchy and have them switch places. They witness an exchange between their managing director, Louis Winthorpe III, <laughs> and street hustler, Billy Ray Valentine. He tried to rob the payroll, Randolph. He attacked me in broad daylight. I didn't do nothing, man. This guy bumped into me. I did not. You knocked me down and tried to grab my briefcase. Yeah, but it was an accident, man. An accident? Really? What's going to happen to this man? We're going to book him on assault, attempted robbery, and resisting arrest. Well done, Winsorp. Hey, man, I'm innocent. This guy bumped into me. I was trying to give him his briefcase back to him. Shit, I can't be going to jail because I'm asswipe ain't watching where he's going. They decide they found their two perfect candidates. They frame Winthorpe as a thief, drug dealer, and cheater, freeze his bank accounts, lock him out of his home. The Dukes then bail out Billy Ray and give him everything that was Winthorpe's. I didn't work him into the plot, but an important character sort of is Beaks. When Winthorpe takes the payroll checks to the Dukes, he questions someone named Beaks that's making $50,000 a year. They say he's doing private research for them, which is sort of true, but he's mostly like their personal fixer. Yeah, he's a hitman. And he's the one that makes all the arrangements to frame Winthorpe. Later in the movie, Billy Ray does the same thing. He questions, who's this Beaks guy? And they're like, eh, don't worry about that. Billy Ray's doing well. Winthorpe is not. He brings a gun to the work Christmas party and tries to plant drugs on Billy Ray. The Dukes decide that's enough and settle their wager for $1. See, the wager was... If we switch their circumstances, would Winthorpe turn to crime? So that was the the finish line was he could fall in hard times, whatever, but would he turn to crime? So him bringing a gun in there did it all the evidence they needed. They plan to return Billy Ray back to the streets, but have no interest in bringing back Winthorpe. And here's where the plot becomes confusing for some. Even Eddie Murphy didn't understand it. So he just stuck to the lines in the script because he said, it's too confusing. I don't know what they're talking about. Okay. I'll explain in brief detail in a minute, but a simple explanation is that Billy Ray and Winthorpe, both jilted by the Dukes, realized that the Dukes are illegally cornering the stock market with information in a report that gives them an advantage. Insider trading. Winthorpe, his butler Coleman, a call girl he's been staying with named Ophelia, and Billy Ray board a train where the Dukes man Beaks is carrying a document which they plan on switching for a false one. Clarence Beaks! The Dukes just gave that guy 10 grand. 10 grand? I saw an outlay on the payroll to him for 50,000. Mortimer said it was for research. Yeah, research and I can get his hands on that top secret crop report two days before it goes public. My God. The Dukes are going to corner the entire frozen orange juice market. Unless somebody stops them. Or beats them to it. Follow so far. So the confusing part for much of the audience plays out on the stock floor. The Dukes plan on getting rich on Orange Juice Futures, not Orange Juice Jones, as Jim was talking about. I wish. We've invested everything in Orange Juice Jones in the rain. A future is an agreement to buy or sell at a fixed price at a certain date in the future, no matter what the price is on that date. The idea obviously being buy low, sell high. The Dukes have a document stating that the orange juice crop will be bad this year, meaning the price of orange juice will go up. The Dukes buy a ton of orange juice futures. I'm so waiting for you to say orange juice Jones futures. Orange juice Jones futures. (laughs) It's hard to say orange juice futures. That sounds like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. OJ futures. They plan on buying OJF. You don't want to get OJ futures because we know how that panned out. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a perfect future stock. I bought a shit ton of OJ when he was on the bills. Yes. 
And then I had to, <laughs> I, I, had to sell I lost it. it all. After the Naked Gun movie, I'm selling it off in 88. Yeah. Well, you would have been okay then still. The Dukes are movers and shakers. So when everyone else sees what they're doing, they do it too. Everyone is buying. No one is selling. The price of orange juice futures goes up. So now everyone is locked in to buy orange juice at a later date with the futures contract. Again, good so far. Here's the twist. What they don't realize is that they have a bogus report that was switched by Billy Ray and Winthorpe. The crop is fine. Orange juice prices will not be high. So all of these people have went all in on the theory that OJF will be high and orange juice spoils. So if they can't find someone to buy it from them, then it's a total loss. Now that everyone desperately wants to sell, Winthorpe and Billy Ray wait it out while the value plummets. Now. Sell going in April of 142. So they buy as much as they can, get a rock bottom price, which they will now resell at normal price at a later date on the futures contract. The wild swing leaves the Dukes bankrupt because there's a margin call. Yes. They basically need to pay up right there on the spot. Margin call, gentlemen. Well, you can't expect us you to- You know to the rules of the exchange, Mr. Duke. All accounts to be settled at the end of the day's trading, without exception. You know perfectly well we don't have $394 million in cash. I'm sorry, boys. Put the uh, Duke Brothers seats on the exchange up for sale at once. Seize all assets of Duke and Duke commodities brokers, as well as all personal holdings of Randolph and Mortimer Duke. And Billy Ray and Winthorpe are very rich. They've invested the life savings, basically, of Coleman and Ophelia. Everything. And everything they've bought. They're all very rich now. The icing on the cake is that they tell the Dukes they were wagering on if they could get rich and make the Dukes very poor at the same time, and they exchange one dollar. One dollar. The movie ends with Billy Ray, Winthorpe, Ophelia, and Coleman on the beach. Well, technically, Winthorpe and Ophelia are on a boat, yes. which I'm assuming they own. Looking good, Billy Ray! Feeling good, Lewis! Let's get into characters. Dan Aykroyd as Lewis Winthorpe III. Eddie Murphy as Billy Ray Valentine. Originally, this was going to be Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. Aww. Pryor dropped out, but Eddie Murphy would not do it with Gene Wilder because he didn't want the obvious comparisons to Richard Pryor. It, yeah. was, it would have been like, Pryor and Wilder did all those movies together. They're the best. It would have been like Eddie Murphy replacing Richard yeah. Pryor. So Cheaper, I'm sure, too. Yeah, I'm sure it was yeah, probably plus cheaper. Yeah, plus the SNL route. It paid off for everyone. Oh, because, big time. Yeah. It's a classic. Ralph Bellamy as Randolph Duke, Don Amici as Mortimer Duke, Denholm Elliott as Coleman, Jamie Lee Curtis as Ophelia. The studio originally objected to Jamie Lee Curtis because she was a scream queen. Oh, fuck off. So was her mom. Yeah, but they thought it sent a weird message. Things were different back then. Yeah, but then they made her a prostitute and had her get topless, and then the world was fine again. Yes. Classic. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we had Jim Belushi in there doing a cameo as a party goer wearing a gorilla suit. Party's over. Party's over? Hey, come on. What do you mean the party's over? It's not even 10 o'clock, you dummy. Hey, come on. Loosen up, man. It's almost New Year's Eve. There's a bunch of uh, background people that you might see or recognize, but which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? It'd have to be Dan Aykroyd in The Train. Oh, he's so good. It's, that's a classic. Simon, I was director of cultural events at the Haile Selassie Pavilion. I remember the pavilion. We had big fun there. Dan Aykroyd is just so good. This movie showed his range where he plays such a great pompous asshole yeah. but then when he becomes destitute and when he's eating 
a salmon out of the beard of a Santa outfit. No shame. I love that. I love the Dukes. They are just yeah. fucking so brilliant, pompous assholes. Oh, Ezra, right on time. I bet you thought I'd forgotten your Christmas bonus. There you are. Five dollars. Maybe I'll go to the movies by myself. Half of it is from me. Thank you, Mr. Mortimer. They're racist as shit and try to say every word other than we're racist, basically. Well, well, they literally say it. Yeah, well, they do. Who's worse, them or the the Muppets guys? Aren't they kind of based off them, kind of? Who is, um, fuck. Statler and Waldorf. Statler and Waldorf, that's it. I have Denholm Elliott as Coleman. Hello. Oh, hello, Mr. Duke, sir. What? A scientific experiment. Well, not at all, sir, no. It all sounds very uh, original. Well, it's your house, sir, and I work for you. I shall make the necessary arrangements. And a very good night to you, sir. What a scumbag. You don't hear that name. No. Ever. Coleman has seen some shit. He's seen a lot Because he's done this job, you feel like, for a bunch of different people throughout the years. And my my only thing is, even though he gets redemption by making up for it, is that uh, I don't like that he can't tell Winthorpe the truth. So Winthorpe shows up at his house and he's like, I'm sorry, there's no, there's no Coleman here. Yeah. I don't know who he you are. He the door in his face because he works at the end of the day for the Dukes. Not yeah. For Winthorpe. It's fucked up. But he gets his redemption in the end. All the lines he gets to deliver are very like dry. He says like a lot of things under his voice. Like when uh, Winthorpe's fiance tells him she wants him right now. I want you Coleman, sir, I think we'll take our drinks uh, in the living room by the fire. No dessert, sir. You have it. Thank you, sir. Yeah. He's cooking for them, and he says, I think we'll take drinks in our, you know, by the fireplace. And then he says, you have it. And then you just see him scraping it into the garbage, (laughs) and he says something. It's pretty funny. It's those little throwaway scenes. All right, let's find out which scenes made a splash and talk about our favorite scenes. I'm going to go ahead and go first here. It's that $1 bet. Pay up, Mortimer. I've won the bet. Here, $1. (laughs) We took a perfectly useless psychopath like Valentine and turned him into a successful executive. And during the same time, we turned an honest, hardworking man into a violently deranged would-be killer. (laughs) Now, what are we going to do about taking Winthrop back and returning Valentine to the ghetto? Well, you don't know it's a dollar. You don't know it's a dollar, but you get the reveal later on when he's hiding, when Billy Ray's hiding in the bathroom underneath the stall and he sees the dollar get exchanged. And that's when he knows I need to join up with Lewis. He needs to know the truth. Let's fuck him. I love it. They made a bet. Fred is true, sir. I believe him, Louie. The Dukes ruined my life over a bet. For how much? A dollar. One dollar. Fine. That's the way they want it? No problem. Tyrone Julius. Train scene again. Yeah. With just uh, so much good stuff happened on the train. When they're, it's fucking when they're, great. They're trying to run their con. Well, it's, it's, so it's New Year's <laughs> Eve. Yes. Yeah. I am Nanja Ibuko, exchange student from Cameroon. Oh, that's kind of your son. And a happy new year to you, too. 
Uh, could, could I offer either of you two gentlemen a, a wee jolt of Irish whiskey to usher in the new year? No, I am Inga from Sweden. Nenge Yumboko from Cameroon. Do you remember me? It's Lionel Joseph. So it's New Year's Eve when Beeks is going to be on this train transporting the orange juice report. The crop report. Mm-hmm. So there's like a whole train cars full of parties right. and everybody's in costumes. Yeah. But specifically, they all wear costumes to get on the train. Yes. They're all in disguise to sit with beaks. And they keep calling Ophelia German and she keeps <laughs> having to say, I'm from Sweden. They're like, you're wearing later hose. <laughs> Lionel Joseph uh, from Cameroon. Yeah, that's <laughs> so they good. had to have rehearsed that oh, because so they good. know the song and stuff. Yeah. It's so funny. I love it. Who do you got, Kev? The cops questioning Billy Ray after there's been complaints about a blind man with no legs hustling. It's people. one of mine too. Dad, who's there? What you want? Police. We've had some complaints about con men pretending to be blind and uh, crippled. Oh, I'd love to help you, man, but I ain't seen nothing since I stepped on that landmine in Viet Cong back in 72. It was rough, very painful. You were in Nam? So were we. Where? Um, I was in um, Sang Bang, Dangang. Uh, uh, I was all over that place, basically. A lot of places. A lot of places. What unit were you in? Uh, I was with the Green Beret, uh, Special Unit Battalion's uh, Commando Airborne Tactics, Specialist Tactics uh, Unit Battalion. Yeah, it was real hush-hush. I was Agent Orange. That was my name, Agent Orange. Special Agent Orange. That was me. Airborne, huh? I can see! I can see! I have le- I, can- I have legs! I have legs! Oh, shit! Look at this! Man! I can walk! Jesus! Praise Jesus! I appreciate this. Oh, this is beautiful. I can't believe it. Thank you. I don't know what to do. Glory be to God. He's, so good. He says he was in Vietnam, to which the cops replied, they were in Vietnam, and they asked him about where and what unit he was in. No, So in my opinion, it's great use of Eddie Murphy, while at the same time, you can totally tell that was written for Richard Pryor. Yeah, it's, it's Just very how, Richard Pryor. Like, that whole thing, I'm like, I can 100% see Richard Pryor doing that. Yes. But the cops pick him up by, like, under the arms, and when he stands up, he's still got his legs folded, <laughs> and then they unfold, and he's like, I can see, and my legs are back. <laughs> That's so good. pretty funny. TJ, what do you got next? You got another one? And then, of course, the end, when the brothers get screwed over, you got to be happy for the good guys. You you finally get some justice from the pieces. Yeah, they're they're up watching through the window, and they think this is all going exactly as they want, which they've introduced a new character who's down there buying and selling for them. Yes. But they're up there watching from the window, and then when stuff starts get going, they go down to the floor. And their world is collapsing. But they don't see Winthorpe and Billy Ray fucking them over, essentially. But what makes it so good is Ralph Bellamy is kind of the more passive one, where Don Amici is the one out of nowhere, where he says... Mortimer, your brother's not well. We better call an ambulance. Fuck him! Now you listen to me. I want trading reopened right now. Get those brokers back in here. Turn those machines back on. Turn those machines back on. Fuck him. You know, he's just really overtly verbose. He'll swear. He'll get down into the pit. When Ralph Bellamy tries to go down to the pit in the end, it looks like he's going to die of a heart attack. Well, and then he, and does. he does. He does. Well, he doesn't he has die, a heart attack, but he has but a heart attack. Yeah. And it, his brother's like slapping him around still while he's on the gurney getting carried But out. it's definite in real life that Eddie Murphy and those two got along because they show up again as Randolph and Mortimer yeah. in Coming to America. In Coming to America. What did you give him? Oh, I just gave him some pocket change. Randolph. Leave me alone, Mortimer. Randolph, Randolph! I'm still not talking to you. Look. 
Burma. We're back. Right, and then Don Amici's screaming, turn the machines back on, yeah. get everyone back in here. <laughs> Which is crazy because it's yeah. a different character. Right. He's Prince Akeem. They mentioned them in coming to America. They had that picture of them. Yeah, and they said that they basically imply that they've rebuilt their empire. Which I liked and Kevin did not like whatsoever. I can't believe you liked Coming I, to America? Yeah. yeah. I didn't like it. Uh, it damn horrible. it, I'm the only one? So I think bad. it's just the problem with modern comedies yes. in general. It, it wasn't that it was bad, but it wasn't, there was no real deep so, character stuff no, no they didn't pretty, even try they the just were like show. we're just yeah. gonna go through the motions of introducing we're gonna give you very minimal plot very minimal character development do a yeah uh, in there yeah the innocence of akeem just yeah <laughs> just taken out you know i could do without the sun the sun i couldn't stand but See, I, that, I feel like it should have been more if they were gonna do that it should have been either the son or the daughter the whole movie yeah but they they didn't want to give up the Eddie yeah. murphy starring it would have worked better if there was yep you know I someone agree. else as the star the jail scene with Billy Ray. So you had to keep doing the tights of balance, man. That's why I'm wearing these bummy clothes. You had to make sure a dude had his payroll before I made my move. Tell us how you cut him. Yeah, I ain't cut him with no knife, man. But you told me last night you cut the dude. With these, I cut him. I am a chain belt in Kung Fu. Bruce Lee was my teacher. Watch this. That's called the quarter blood technique. You do that, a quarter blood will drop out of a person's body. Tell how you beat on the cop. Wasn't no cop, man. It was cops. Plural. Nine, ten cops. Beat the shit out of ten cops and had to change my whole strategy around. Yo, when they brought you in here and booked you, you was crying like a pussy. Yeah. Yes. So he goes in jail and he's talking about the, uh, he's talking about being a karate man. Yeah. And the court of blood technique. <laughs> Which is just really funny. I love it. Two guys call his bluff and then yeah. he gets bailed out. Yeah. And then finally, I have Winthorpe selling his $7,000 watch for 50 bucks at the pawn <laughs> shop. Do you mean to imply stolen? I gave 50 bucks for 50 bucks? No, no, no. This is a Rochefoucauld, the thinnest water-resistant watch in the world. Singularly unique, sculptured in design, handcrafted in Switzerland, and water-resistant to three atmospheres. This is the sports watch of the 80s. $6,955 retail. You got a receipt? No, it tells time simultaneously in Monte Carlo, Beverly Hills, London, Paris, Rome, and Stad. In Philadelphia, it's worth 50 bucks. And he's telling the guy all the features and what it is, and it's the watch of the 80s. And he's saying it with that rich affect to yeah, his and voice. And the guy's like, it's hot. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean it's hot? It's what surely you, not stolen. What do you mean it's hot? It's not stolen. All right. I don't think there's a pool in this one, is there? There's People a, are rich. There's got to be a pool somewhere. Tubs. Somebody's got a pool at the, somewhere. At the, at the uh, country club. Yes. Yeah, there's there'd a, be a pool there. Definite. For rich people only. Excuse me. Would you guys like to take a swim in the pool? Do some laps. It's time for pool check. So what's that concession stand have? Like caviar and caviar, champagne. Caviar, escargot, champagne, and a bottle of Dom on the Rocks. Which is funny because when uh, they first pull Billy Ray into their car and he just, they offer him a cigar and he just, just scoops up like it, 10 of them and he's like holding them like in his arm. <laughs> it's real funny. 1983 music videos. We haven't done music videos in uh, a couple seasons because yes. we're out of years, yeah. but we've never done 1983 music videos or as my phone originally auto-corrected 1983 mucus videos i love Man, mucus 1983 videos. was a good year for mucus 
<laughs> we haven't entered the realm of music videos in a while, which I said this is going to be fun. 1983 brought the weird in a big way. Still early on in the history of music videos. Yeah, we're still early. So I think people were all like... The people want weird. Well, they want as crazy as we can make they these start, videos. They're weird, but they're starting to get story elements within now, yeah. so they're even better. So we're going to do three each, although I will lie because I, by the time you said let's do three each, I had already done five, <laughs> so I'm just going to go, I'm going to do five. Okay, but that's 20. fine. I have, I have 20. 20. Okay, TJ's so. got 27. I got three. All right, who wants to go first? TJ, you want to go ahead and kick it off? Yeah, I'll kick it off. We doing one at a time? Or? Yeah, well, yeah, you can do one. We'll just we'll go around the horn. Well, I'll start with um, I'm Still Standing by Elton John. Yeah, I, like one. Little, I have that. Upbeat. Yeah, it was shot in Cannes and Nice, France. So basically, you take extravagance, large-scale choreography, lots of drugs, and you get this video. Yeah, I would say so. Fun fact, this was supposed to be a two-day shoot, but two things happened. The director accidentally fell into the sea with all of the footage. Jeez. So he lost the entire music video. It <laughs> was ruined. And Elton John happened to run into Duran Duran while there. And with some other celebrities in town, Elton threw what Duran Duran called a wobbler a party. Uh, okay. A wobbler. He was quite hungover and he didn't feel like doing much. So he's still <laughs> So standing. this was like a comedy of errors, that yeah. music video. Alright, so my first one is going to be a song that was originally written and performed by the band Exile. In 1981, it was off their album Heart and Soul, but it failed to crack the Billboard Top 100. So two years later, 1983, Huey Lewis in the news. Took over and the heart and soul of the world was encapsulated by Huey Lewis in the news. The music video was pretty damn cool. It basically featured a woman in a dance club and Huey's trying to pine after her, not giving her the time of day. And eventually, you know, she always gets what she wants because she has heart and soul. And then all of a sudden, he gets Huey. Or he gets Huey. He gets Huey. He gets Huey. He's in a video. It's two Hueys in there. It's, two, it's Inception. It's Looper or uh, Gemini Man. It's really cute. It's real cool. It's, you know, early 80s into a dance hall looking after that girl that you yearn for and she finally succumbs to your temptation. All right. I have uh, Hold Me Now, Thompson Twins. Hell yeah. We've come across videos like this in other years where it's just pretty straightforward, the band performing, except they seem to throw in every digital effect that was available at the time. We get a three-way split screen. We get a blur effect, like the, the blur effect that they like use for nudity. It's almost yeah. like before they used it for nudity, they used it in this video. We get like weird boxes that pop up over just randomly and over faces. And the girl in the group has no eyebrows. Like they're shaved on purpose, but she sort of looks like Johnny Depp in Tim Burton's <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> That's kind of what she looks like. Nice. So, Thompson twins never knew they looked like that. Gold by a Spando Ballet. All right. Oh, I nice. like that video.
You know, I give you a lot of props for picking that one and not True by Spandau Ballet because that's the song. It's good, but I I don't, for some reason, I love gold. I I, I love it. Gold. I love gold. (laughs) (laughs) Is I brought this song up a couple episodes back as a very, very underrated Duran Duran song. I think I did his honorable mention. This time I'm putting it on my list Union of the Snake by Duran Duran. Were they filming that when they ran into Elton John? I'm still standing. <laughs> they said, hold on. We got an idea, Elton. We're going to throw a wobbler. There was controversy, though, surrounding this video as it was released to MTV a whole week before the single was released on radio. Uh-oh. Radio stations were anxious at the time because they were concerned that channels like MTV might supplant them in the promotion of singles. When in reality, it probably helped them immensely. It probably helped, but you have to remember at that time, radio for the longest time, like I worked in radio, radio wanted to be known as the thing and they're not paying artists to be a part of it. It's the natural medium, but That's I can see- why they had the Buggles assassinated. Yeah. <laughs> and they released Video Killed the Radio Star and then they, they hired a hitman to uh, take him out. But yeah, very underrated song, Union of the Snake, and it's a good video too. Check it out. Jim spoiled one of my picks earlier. It's Kiss, Lick It Up. Kiss without the makeup. Gene Simmons had his head tilted down the whole video. He looks like Gomer Pyle in Full Metal Jacket. He's got the like sort of look. He looks menacing. Like I think he's trying to look sexy. It's scary. But it's some sort of like post-apocalyptic wasteland. Only women have survived. So it's like time for snoo snoo. And they have the cheapest props that they could find. Like obvious plastic skulls and plastic bones and fires and barrels. And Kiss are the first men they've seen in who knows how long. And they're excited about it. But in actuality, they'd probably be like, we like him, but uh, the other three kind (laughs) of. Here's the thing. Pool sceners, please reach out. I want you to be honest, completely honest, no BS. Kiss had to have been the most ugly looking band I've ever seen. There may be an uglier band for my number one pick. Whenever they took a lady home. Did they, you know, did they take the makeup off? Was that a thing? Or? I would hope if not. If I were a lady, I would not want to sleep with Gene. Uh, I got to watch. He'll probably listen to this <laughs> and sue us. But I would not want to sleep with Gene Simmons sans makeup. I would want to sleep with the kiss demon Gene Simmons, though. With but the, you, you want to see his family jewels. I thought you were going to say, I'd rather sleep with Ace Freely. <laughs> no. Peter you, Chris. You want to sleep with Paul Stanley the, the and no one singer. else. Yeah. The lead, you know. Yeah, I guess it would just be Paul Stanley. Do you, you think he painted down there? <laughs> I would hope so. Could you imagine they, the star child is literally that? I'd imagine they have a tattoo. They got to have a star. Yeah. Gene Simmons' rig. He's marketing it for something. Why don't so. we uh, reach out to Shannon Tweed? Yes. Gene Simmons famously has slept with thousands of women. I don't okay, know how. Is, There's a, a proportion thing. Who is the most unattractive person to be that successful? Rick Ocasek? Rick Ocasek's <laughs> probably up there, but I, Roy Orbison? Yeah. Who looked like a grandpa when he was 18? As I'm judging how guys look, and I've got a fat fucking face, so there we go. <laughs> no, you're you're handsome. Oh, please, TJ. You, I'm, I can't resist. Come on, whatever. Every breath you take. The uh, police. police. Yes. Yeah. I'm Black and white. And, Puff uh, Daddy's was better. 
it sounds like it's a song about stalking, but it's, I think it is right. It's about government watching you. I think I like that song, but then also in the Sopranos, I think like season three, episode one, they someone mixed every breath you take with the Peter Gunn theme song. my favorite thing i just like i wish it was on somewhere where i could listen to it now kevin and i talked about great music cues within movie like last week with the goonies real genius real genius there's so many great music cues in that with every breath you take in the replacements that we covered another great music cue yeah but that's uh i think that might be a mashup version too well they have pat summerall and john madden's voice overdubbed on it they rapped over it. I wish they did. I want to hear John Madden rap. rap. How did Ooh. that not happen? John Madden rap. I mean, rapping? he was in the correct era where it's they like true. Made everybody had everybody rap. So hey. I'm surprised he didn't have like a Madden rap on John the Rat Madden featuring Shaq. I it like makes John. No sense, but how great would his name would be? John Rap Madden. <laughs> John Man, you rap. listen to that rap Madden. <laughs> One of those eighty songs that were very underrated. It kind of came under the radar, and then you'd hear it on Hot 101 and go, "Song's awesome." She's a beauty by the Tubes. Is an amazing song. One in a million girl. You're a one in a million girl. Yeah, it's such a great song. It has like a freak show type music video to it. So you have like, you know, the the magician cutting off the heads and stuff like that. But it comes to the point where the lead singer falls in love with the magician's girl. And it's pretty damn good. She's a one in a million. She is one in a million. So yeah, check that out. My number two, Separate Ways Journey. Right off the top, maybe a more weird looking band than Kiss. The five of them together are pretty frightening. We go back and forth between them playing invisible instruments and real instruments outside a factory on a stack of pallets. Yes. They're standing around on a bunch of pallets. We get lots of close-ups, but it's sort of iconic because of it. Whoever directed this music video was trying to reinvent editing and film yeah because there's so many like weird turns and like camera angles and cuts and stuff but my favorite part of the video is when the keyboard player is holding his keyboard against the wall and playing the keyboard against the wall it makes that's no fucking sense nuts. gotta play keyboard yeah. that's the only way tj you got another one china girl with uh, yeah. david bowie my That's a classic. Any David Bowie music video gets sure. me. Okay, my number one, I Eat Cannibals. Oh, Toto Coelho. My friend Morgan and I were at Jogga Lake, which I don't, have we talked much about Jogga Lake on this podcast? I don't think we have, weirdly enough. Where do you go when you're looking for fun? For the kids, for you, for everyone. Jogga Lake's the place. 
for double loop, for corkscrew too, for rides and thrills just made for you. It's a theme park that Jim and I grew up going was. to. Was a theme park. Morgan and I heard this song and thought it was I Eat Chemicals, <laughs> which does it make a difference? So we'd sing it Not for really. years pre-internet until finding out later in life that it's I Eat Cannibals. Which, again, might be even weirder. Cannibals. Total Koala is made up of five women, and they are all decked out in neon. The whole thing's over the top. Go watch the video on YouTube, and you'll see why it's easily my number one music video from 1983. TJ, you ever go to Geauga Lake? Long, long time ago. It was a great place. Because I went out in 07. Yeah, well. Is there nothing there? There's a... No, there's nothing there. No, it's, it's just an ab- sad. It's, a, it's an empty lot it's now. weeds in a parking lot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I went to Six Flags for a while. Yeah, but Jim collects stuff from... Yeah. Lake. So if any pool sceners out there, especially have if you got any park maps, that's kind of what I want the most. Okay. So a couple honorable mentions, men at work down under video takes place mostly in the desert, but shows literally everything that the lyrics say. And the world gets to see that lazy eye of one column. Not Hay. too, not too close, but I like the guy in Brussels and how he pours beer. Yes. Because he's just like dumping the beer. Billy Idol dancing with myself. Yes. We thriller. Yeah. Which maybe is the greatest music video of all time. Never heard of it. I have a hard time qualifying it because it's kind of a movie, sort of. Too much production. Yeah. It's a long one. Get Vincent Price. But that year, Billy Jean also came out, which was an iconic Michael Jackson music video. Dio, Holy Diver. Mm-hmm. which Ronnie James Dio makes his way in and out of a demonic castle to get a new sword. Big Country by Big Country. Oh, such a great song. Prince, Little Red Corvette. Oh, yes. Motley Crue, Looks the Kill, and Taco, Putting on the Ritz. That's a great one, too. Don't forget about the best Wang Chung song, Dance Hall yeah. Days. All right. Put down your caviar, drink up that champagne, smoke your cigars, and get back in the pool. Coleman, I need to be dried off so I can have proper dinner. Bye-bye. Look, I, I cannot begin to tell you how much I appreciate this, uh, um... Ophelia. Ophelia? Oh, you realize that that's I know, the name I know, I know, Hamlet's girlfriend. He went crazy, she killed herself. This is not Shakespeare, Louis. Look, I'm 24 years old and from a small, miserable little mining town you probably never heard of. The only thing I got going for me in this whole big, wide world is this body, this face, and what I got up here. I don't do drugs. I don't have a pimp. This place is a dump, but it's cheap. It's clean, and it's all mine. I've saved 42 grand, and it's in T-bills, earning interest. I figure I got three more years on my back. I'll have enough to retire on. You're a prostitute. I'm talking about a business proposition, Louis. I help you get yourself back on your feet, and you pay me, in cash, five figures. That's the deal, and it's not subject to negotiation. Understood? Two critical questions this week. All right. First, not really apples to apples, but trading places or Brewster's millions. Oh, man. Richard Pryor, again, was almost in this and Brewster's millions a couple years later, but similar dealing with finances. It's almost like, I mean, if we cover Brewster's millions, we'll find out. But it's almost like Richard Pryor made Brewster's millions as a regret for not doing trading. Well, the cool thing about Brewster's millions was he wanted to be a a professional baseball player. All he was was a minor league player. He ends up inheriting $1 million, I believe, from his aunt. And the caveat was 
you will get the lump sum of 30 million if you spend 1 million in 30 days, but you can't tell anybody about the caveat. Yeah. I love that movie. Plus John Candy is well, isn't fucking it, great. Isn't in it? it more specifics? Like you can't have any assets to show for yeah, it. He needs to be broke by midnight on the last day. How would you spend it? I would make sure my dad's taken care of completely free of debt, a house with some property, not a big house. But that's an asset. That's an asset. Oh shit. You can't have an asset. You can only buy frivolous things. Yeah. There's a, that's only, a lot of money. It's going to be hard. So you got to piss it away. Fuck. Yeah. So you got to piss. Exactly. You got to piss it away. There's still money on the books. Oh, that's right. So it's got to be, oh fuck. I don't even know how to do it, man. That's more Just difficult. book a show, book a concert, book a, you know. Buy a couple cars, a couple yeah. expensive cars, but you can't even No, really you can't. That's an asset. Cars. You could rent. Can you rent a car? Rent, yeah, I'm going to rent a Lambo for a month and it's probably still only like God, think about how difficult that is. You yeah. can't have anything on the books. That's Everything's under hard. the table. That's why Fuck. it's hard. Yeah, if you could, you know, you go buy a piece of art for a million dollars in one day and you know, Lars Ulrich. buy an NFT and have someone steal it. <laughs> yeah. So what was your, you Brewster's Millions or Trading Places? I'd have to go Trading Places. Uh, yeah. I got sure. Trading Places because Brewster's Million doesn't have Jamie Lee Curtis. My next critical question is Trading Places a Christmas movie? Because it takes place over Christmas. I mean, not I only does it. it a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. It was a Thanksgiving. Well, it starts at Thanksgiving and goes through Christmas and through New Year's. It's really like a holiday movie. <sighs> so not only does it take place at Christmas, there are traditional Christmas redemption story arcs for multiple characters. That's very true. Because that's how old classic Christmas movies used to be made. It's literally written and structured like a Christmas redemption movie. But I would say it's probably not a Christmas movie, but I think it's South Africa, New Zealand. Some country plays this on Christmas Eve and Christmas the way we do with Christmas Story. I'd prefer them to do Trading Places. They play Trading Places. Because Christmas Story might be one of the worst movies ever made. Wow. It's fucking horrible. I will. Great family film. Horrible. Absolutely. I watch it for 24 hours straight every day. Bullshit. Every day. (laughs) I feel uh, happy when I see Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. So, not with the wig, though. That wig is. I was going to say, she wasn't in a Christmas story. She's in a Christmas. She shows her tits in a Christmas was she story. the Same best year. character? Was she the nicest character? She's an awesome character yeah. because they actually wrote her in a way that's fair. Instead yes. of making her just like a sleazy, because she's worker. saving yeah. money. That's rare for the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah it know. is. She's it a strong female yes. lead yeah. in the movie. I think it passes the Bechdel test. I totally agree. She has a poster in her room for See You Next Wednesday. It is great. Which Isn't is awesome, because I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to my weekly appointment with the sex worker, and she has a See You Next Wednesday poster next to her <laughs> bed. I appreciate the detail. I totally agree. All right, so somebody I don't want anywhere near my money, near spending a million dollars, is Mr. David McCall. Hey, Kevin, you got any of that money of you? Why don't you send it my way, asshole? It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Now give me your money! All right, before we dive, you just got to buy that house in Seattle (laughs) that he gets thrown out of. Before we get into our logic issues, if you've never watched this movie and you're going to watch it as a companion to this episode, there's definitely some problematic elements that don't fly by today's standards. No. And they shouldn't fly. So with that said, who wants to start us off with the first logic issue? TJ, you got one? No, everything's perfect. (laughs) Kevin, kick it off. Technology to have real-time stock display in the Duke's car. They're sitting in the backseat of their car watching the prices change in real time. Yeah, the ticker. We barely, you know, until iPhones, we didn't have that technology. But the Dukes have it. I guess that's what their money gets them. It'll never get that high. Let's sell now. Patience, Mortimer. Let's see if Winthorpe's right. Winthorpe's wrong. It's topped out. I say we sell now. Absolutely no way 
know-how whatsoever that the orange juice stock fluctuating so bad how it literally is falling off like that in real life the market in the trading would have been suspended for the day yes. if you have that much stock instability in modern day markets they shut it down yeah. because if they don't you could spiral into a recession or depression over one stock yep what if it's GameStop? GameStop. GameStop. <laughs> Dude, you just profit the hell off of that one. <laughs> that and AMC, just crypto. Well, it wasn't going back and forth. It was just going, going in one direction. That's the problem. This was going in two directions. This went way up, way down. Yeah, constantly. I based uh, every stock decision I ever have off of trading places, by the way. And it, it's worked out. Have you it's invested in out. Orange Juice Futures? Well, we'll I haven't done Orange Juice, but I did get movie theater stock uh, <laughs> the a couple AMC. years ago uh, when, the, when the pandemic started. Yeah. It, it kind of worked out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll get into a little bit later how this movie actually did affect stock in the uh, trading in real life. I understand in order to complete the necessary events of the Duke's bet, they need to publicly shame Winthorpe, but they didn't have a better fake scenario than someone stole three $50 bills with giant red X's on them. Yeah. Regardless of what they did, Winthorpe was going to know it wasn't true. So he was going to be like, I'm being framed. This is not real, but wasn't everyone else going to be like, why would our rich manager steal money with big red X's on it? When he gets bailed out, his fiance says he's facing embezzlement charges. Why didn't they just say that? that in front of everyone else why didn't they be like winthorpe stand up you've been you know we've learned that you've been embezzling money yeah he's still gonna deny it and making a scene and they're gonna carry him away the money with the big red x's and putting their hands on each other oh they have to reach in each other's pockets and Which pull out dumb. each other's wallets it's like insane he's not gonna need that money that money is frivolous to him he has money coming out the ass he's not gonna steal 150 bucks no like, come on exactly <laughs> let's be honest tj you still think it's perfect i think so i, I wish we could have seen the rates for jamie lee curtis yeah. I, that was a plot yes. hole. When uh, Dan Aykroyd goes up to her, how does he start talking to her? Just like... She's been hired by Beeks. That's right. So oh, Beeks yeah, pays her to intercept him as he's coming right. out of jail, and she starts kissing him and pretending to be his girlfriend in front of his fiance. She feels guilty. You know, yeah, she about. she kind of does. She she thinks it's funny because she follows him all over town while he's uh, getting his credit cards canceled, which is a weird logic issue. The bank literally was like, "Give us all your credit cards," which that's not how it works. No, you just cancel like, the cards; it's useless. Yeah, like and and the bank doesn't issue all ten credit cards. Like you yeah. go to Visa or Mastercard. I don't. Maybe they did in 1983. Uh, but we do see one John who shows up at our apartment with flowers, and he's like, "Hey, it's Wednesday at 10 o'clock." <laughs> he does come back to her apartment. It takes a lot for her to trust him so much so yes. she takes off her wig and be like. My name's Ophelia. This isn't my real name. I do this because of I need to do this. I want to become bigger than what I am. I want to become better than what this is. She wants to retire. She wants to retire. And yeah. she's got a hell of a nest egg. So Jim brought up this scene earlier, and I'm not mad at it from a filmmaking perspective, but if we were to pretend that this was real life, the scene in the bathroom where the Dukes pay off the bet is the biggest smoking gun in conversation history. So there's casual racism. They explain in detail, they explicitly detail the terms of the bet. They admit the price fixing with the orange juice. They check the stalls to see if anyone in is in there. Which <laughs> Not great. Billy, Billy Ray's standing on a toilet. They yeah. even look under the stall and still yeah. don't see him but you can't just say those things out loud like i guess a lot's changed in nearly 40 years but even trump isn't dumb enough to just come out and say all of these things in sequence that's like use terrible racism yeah literally say this is exactly how we fixed prices yeah this is exactly like we screwed these guys over to make a bet but the way things are so fucked up anymore you could 
admit all that well, to yeah. an audience that's enthralled by you, yes. and they'd be like, ah, it doesn't matter. He, you're okay. Grab them by the pussy. Exactly. Uh, ironically, though, uh, you know, you didn't have to worry about anybody recording you then. So, well, it, yeah. You know, probably yeah. Trump probably actually had a conversation like that in a weird bathroom. Somewhere. I can't imagine the conversations he's, he's I mean, had he had with that, people. He had that conversation on a bus yeah. in, what, 2006? With Billy so Bush. Billy Bush. In the 80s, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's when he's like. Oh, yeah, in the 80s. This was know, him. This was yeah. prime. Oh, God, he yeah. had tons of these conversations. Yeah. Like, who knows what he said? I, I hit mean. the bodies here, you know. <laughs> he, had a, he had a perfect phone call with Zelensky, remember? Yeah. This is an extension of a previous point I made, but when Winthorpe's taken to jail, he has a large bag of PCP in his jacket that the cop tells him he's facing three to five years mandatory, which is a great scene. Yeah. Because he scoops it, does the fingernail, you know, uh, bump, and then he says, this is PCP. <laughs> and how does Winthorpe get out of any of that because if he is facing charges for drug possession that has been planted on him he can't just be like i was framed by the dukes because even if he was like i was framed by the dukes then the dukes would be facing charges yes he's friends with nancy reagan he has to be there has to be she got him out it's who you know it's super weird that he like they never mention again he just gets bailed out on a number of charges. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, it's super strange. Does he get his credit cards back? Mr. Winflorp, here are your credit cards, sir. We're sorry. We kept them for you. We'll we apologize. Well, First National, take, take your em. business again. Yes. That's why they went to the beach. They were escaping the country. No extradition. Yeah, there, yeah. there you go. That's, That's actually the end of they the went to Cuba. TJ comes through with an <laughs> excellent point. So they they all left. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yes, they had to leave the country to avoid him facing three to five years for being yes. a PCP dealer. Originally, the trading scenes were being shot at the World Trade Center Commodity Exchange Comex with real traders as extras, but six billion dollars of trading was going to be lost. So shooting had to move to a weekend with extras. I would think so. They were hey like, guys, can we just shut it down for a day? We're trying to film a movie here. It's 1983. It doesn't matter that much. Greed so. is good. Yeah. So uh, what's the legacy of this movie? This movie launched a number of actors into the stratosphere. Yes, because really, I mean, there was Saturday Night Live and stuff, but Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis, all. And Jamie Lee Curtis, though, does feel exploited by this movie. I mean, I could see why. Oh, like, yeah. She felt forced into the nudity and stuff. She said when she did horror movies, no one ever asked her. She basically was like, when I did horror movies, nobody ever like forced me in or asked me to take my clothes off. But as soon as I did like a big studio picture, that's all they wanted. Let's see him. <laughs> Which that's fucked up. Whip him out. Because she is a really fucking great actress. Yeah, she's amazing. And she still stood the she's test still of amazing. time. She's still hot. Too. I love her in that Activia commercial. There was a law put into place in the commodities market yes. named the Eddie Murphy law that prevented commodity trading with insider information. Yes. So which goes to another sort of logic issue for me, which is if the Dukes have access to the crop report which is false, but they still have access to it and they're making bets and trades, not bets, I guess, trades based on the crop report. Aren't Billy Ray and Winthorpe doing the exact same thing because they have the same information except for they have the real crop report and although they're doing it to get back to the Dukes, technically they are also insider trading. They are because none of them should ever have a crop report. You're not supposed to know this. It's a speculative market. Hence, TJ's thing. They're criminals. Yes, they are. But they left the country so they're good, you know? Yep. Yeah. So, all right, stick around for some plugs. You're about to see the MeTV, the Sony Watchman, 
It's the She TV, the Luigi TV, the first truly personal TV, the Sleepy TV. Just over an inch thick, or is it thin? And one even has an AM FM radio, the Referee TV, the Sony Watchman TV, the one and only TV for the one and only. See your authorized Bay Area Sony dealer. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all, at Pool Scene Pod One. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. Hey, yo, final lap guy. Yeah, the final lap. So. It's final app time, and uh, I'll kick it over to Jim to start. So yesterday was kind of a a somber day for all of you wrestling fans out there, Kevin and I both. We lost uh, Scott Hall. We lost Razor Ramon, age 63. Ended up having very bad complications during hip replacement surgery. He had three heart attacks. Kevin Nash put on Instagram later on that day that, you know, his family were coming into town and they were going to pull the life support off Scott Hall. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And then we found out around 8 p.m. last night that, you know, he was alive for about four hours, breathing on his own, but then he finally succumbed. So the world lost the bad guy, probably one of the most coolest, influential characters in wrestling history. I mean, what he did with Razor Ramon in a period of wrestling where you had garbage men, you had Mantar, you had the goon as a hockey player, and then you had this guy playing... He was Tony Montana. He was Tony Montana. Latin, like Tony Montana. These cool vignettes... And then all of a sudden, the bad guy became popular. And then he decided to make that jump to WCW with a curtain call. One of the most iconic things ever. It changed the trajectory of wrestling. It blurred the lines of real. the Monday Night Wars. Him coming out in all denim saying, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. That's when people actually thought that, oh my God, there's an actual invasion. Like WWF is here to invade WCW. If him and Kevin Ash don't do the curtain call, don't lead the WWF. Triple H doesn't get punished. Triple H was meant to win the 96 King of the Ring. There's no Austin 316. Yeah. So if you think about that, also, there would be no Crow Sting if it wasn't for Scott yeah. Hall, because Scott Hall thought of the idea to going up to Steve Borden and go, you should be like the crow character for Sting. Just to think what Scott Hall contributed in all the battles, like thanks to Diamond Dallas Page for well, that, giving us more years with Scott Hall. Be my point is yes. he is someone, there's not a lot of these people, but someone who is perhaps more famous for his redemption arc. Yes. Like, and so he was like estranged from his kids. And when Diamond Dallas Page essentially saved his life and got him rehab and everything, he reconnected with his kids. So he got 10 years of having a relationship with his kids that he didn't previously. And honestly, just up until the hip surgery, seeing him, you know, turn it around as equally as great as everything else he did. As hard as it is letting him go, it feels good knowing that he got his life back on track and he finished it on top. So I just want to say 
on behalf of all of us here at the Pool Scene Podcast, we're going to miss you, Chico. And survey says one more for the good guys. Greatest wrestler to never win a major world title. Isn't that nuts? No, I'm just saying, who do yeah. you think it is? It's got to be. You think it's Scott Hall? It's got to be. I think probably Scott Hall, Kurt Hennig, Owen Hart. Owen Hart are probably, yeah. you know, in some order. And, and Hennig had the AWA world title. Him and Scott Hall were tag team partners. And Oh, uh, yeah. Right. They were the and tag team Big champions. Scott Hall. Magnum. Owen probably would have won it had he, maybe, had maybe. he not been murdered by the WWE. And then forced into a gimmick he didn't really want to do. Yes. and uh, But Scott Hall is probably, I mean, he, maybe it was the drugs and stuff, but he also sacrificed for his friends because you got to think like without Hall, Nash probably is never a world champion. Nope. Yeah. He, he did a ton. But it's rough. I, I feel for his family too, because they had to make that call and I had to make that same call with my dad about my mom. So I totally understand about having to let somebody go when you know it's probably in their best interest. So Scott Hall, we're going to miss you, baby. Thank you for making our childhoods that much better. Thank you, buddy. TJ, how was Jackass? Yes. Oh, it was fantastic. It was, you guys haven't seen it? No, no. it did not. I, I quite enjoyed it. Seeing it in the theater with all these people was just, you know, it's peak peak movie experience. Yeah. I tried to get away a couple of weeks ago during my kids' uh, swim lesson. So I was like, I'm going to go watch Jackass. But I, I just wasn't in the, the headspace for it, which probably would have helped to see a bunch of grown men take a beating. Yeah. I, I'm i excited to, to see generation. it. I'm excited to see it. I still haven't seen The Batman. No. Nope. I've at, seen that. But at this yeah. point, it's coming HBO <laughs> in like a few weeks. Yeah. So. Always, yeah. Did you I like just, The Batman? TJ I did but you know it, you got to know what they're doing in it you know yeah, okay. I like that DC has you know they have the main goofy side that's sort of like the MCU side but then they have like it seems like they're building this this side that's just like the Joker yeah know, it seems it's not attached to it anything. seems like these heavier DC characters are you use the DC multiverse like this yeah. is the Batman on Earth 23 so yeah, it's like and I don't want to see him yes in any of the other things I just want him to just be yeah right. but I love Peacemaker yeah so you yeah. just don't want to see that like, yeah. you know I don't want to I don't you know but this one is purely a noir movie it's not like any other Batman or, you know it's just straight which, up a noir which movie. is good so you've seen it I mean I know more than and I'd like to know about it. Same here. I'm going to watch it when it comes to HBO because at this point, I'm like, I'm not sitting through those crowds. And then three hours is a long commit. But after seeing it, are you ready for a fun Batman again? Yeah, well, that's what me and, me and my brother were talking about that. Just there hasn't been a fun Batman I guess probably since Batman and Robin. Yeah. yeah. Which that Robin. one's a little too fun. Yeah. yeah. A little it's bit like, too. Lisa it'd be Goosey. nice to see like a Batman, the animated series kind of yeah. Batman. That's why I thought this was going to be, I thought it was going to be a little bit more on the unrealistic side of the dark Knight. but it's, just, this is more realistic than the dark Knight. It's like, because you got the, the realistic physics stuff mm -hmm. of the dark Knight, but then also all the characters are super, you know, it's like, that's what Batman would be. If, if Batman existed in real life, yeah. that's how Bruce Wayne and Batman would be in real life. Not how he has been, you know? Yeah. So, but it's, I will say I'm looking forward to the flash movie. So we get to see Michael Keaton is my favorite. 89 Batman. So I wish he would have got his own movie. Same I, here. I, I, I don't want it. It might cause happen. Because they've, the, they've been doing that Flash movie for like 12 years. Yeah, and I know. Like, oh, we got to fix it. So we'll pay Keaton a, a $100 million and then Ben Affleck $100 million. I totally think people would 
That's go a, to the movie theaters in droves to see a full Michael Keaton a Batman Michael movie. Michael Keaton Batman movie directed by Tim Burton. Yes. And yeah. they use the they use similar like style as yeah. the old ones. That's a billion dollars. Yeah, I'm fine yes, with that. Just continue re-release the toys. Thir- it's 30 years after the last movie. Yeah. Just do that. Yeah, what's Bruce yeah. Wayne been it's up Bruce to? Wayne they could do 30 Batman years Beyond. after the first movie. Yeah. Yes. That would be yes. like a Batman Beyond setup perfectly, yeah. Yeah. but do they, yeah, I mean, Batman, regardless how you slice it, there are characters like Killer Croc and... You want to see our you know, Clayface. Your or, Clayface yeah. and these these just goofy characters. Embrace that. I mean, that's yeah. like the people who grew up reading the Batman comics are not being rewarded. You know, doing a realistic, this is what that's Batman right. is in the real world. But I think it's time. Not everything has to be so dark. No. Yeah, they, look at the fun ju- again. Look at the Justice League and Peacemaker. Yeah. Well, everything is so dark now. Like I think that's like the I, every time I see a dark thing, I always think, "Oh, these these writers are lazy." Yeah. Cuz that's like the easiest way to yes. pull an emotion out of the audience is like, "Oh, I'll kill a character." That's how I'm going to make them feel something instead of just like, you know, like 80s movies or 90s movies where it's like, oh, it's just, you know, you know, the characters aren't going to die, but you're scared for them. Like something like Lethal Weapon or something, you know, they could have done 20 of those. Well, they're doing Lethal Weapon 5. Instead of the Goonies 2. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I would just say like it would definitely take the right because when you think of it from of it from like a a tie-in and marketing perspective, I saw like R. Pat's Batman toys in the store, and I was like, they're not great. Do kids, can kids, kids go- but it worked with the Dark Knight, so I guess it they did. Don't- yeah, but can kids sit through a three-hour Batman? And kids who do sit through a three-hour Batman, do they want to see a dark Batman? Those kids want to see neon colors, yeah, and like all kinds of crazy stuff. I I just and not animated do a, another real batman but with leaning into hell put all the the characters that haven't been in a movie yet like clayface i don't think he was in any of the schumacher ones i just seen um, uh, nick cage wants to play uh egghead uh, i guess i guess i think it's egghead or something i don't know the name he was in the original one vincent price played him he's like oh I yeah you're right that. he said he yeah. said he wanted to play him I, I thought that would be I, interesting. I really like uh, Batman, Long Halloween, Calendar Man. Yeah. Yeah, Long Halloween would yeah. be great. Yeah, but I just, I don't know. If they did it in a way with, again, just whimsical. Just, it mean, just a little more fun, you know? Yeah. Just like, you know. I want I want Taco Bell cups with Batman on them. Oh, and I stuff. miss those days. I want, you know, McDonald's Happy Meal toys. I want to see those colorful toy packages and yes. stores for a fun Batman. I so agree. Hopefully, eventually, I mean, at this point, do it next year. Year. who cares there's a batman every year seemingly or every few years now so what's what's it matter i don't know but i think tj next time you come on i think we're gonna have to go back let's start at batman 89 and let's just start working it i haven't seen that in like 15 years yeah it's batman 89 to me is just forever ingrained in my brain because of prince prince and soundtrack it's oh, so yeah. good it's a guy who is a uh, he parties all over town so <laughs> that's like, great that's, that's the whole thing the yeah. batman theme was the first song he learned on the guitar yeah, yeah. how crazy yeah so yeah, give me fun Batman. We'll do it ourselves. Fuck it. I Let's agree. Where do you want to play, pitch Jim? It. We're going to pitch it. We're going to pitch it to <laughs> Where do I want to play? Yeah. I could be Thomas Wayne. I could be Bruce's dad. Because you don't really get enough Thomas Wayne. Let's yeah, let's do a Thomas Wayne movie before we do our movie. Yeah, let's do a prequel. Thomas Wayne was a party man. He technically <laughs> should be in a Flashpoint. Technically, Remember, there was talk him. for a while that Jeffrey Dean Morgan was going to be Thomas Wayne Batman. Because he was, he was his dad and yes. this is Zack Snyder because he's Zack Snyder. I mean, yeah. that Flash movie can't possibly be serious. There's no, there's there's no, no way, way it's going to be good. It's <laughs> that like, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, hopefully I'm surprised because I thought like No Way Home would be trash. Like, I thought No Way Home, Still haven't no seen way that. it could be good. But then it was like the best movie I've seen in a while from yeah. like 
that yeah. side of movies. I uh, really love Birdman, the Michael Keaton movie, which is... It smells like balls. Yeah, it's sort of a play on, you know, he got famous for playing uh, Batman, and now he can't break out of the that. role. <laughs> it's a great movie. But I love how he embraced it. You yeah, know? exactly. The, the, he embraced the music it. And, yeah. uh, the music is great in the continuous shots. Yeah. yeah. I love how when that came out, every movie had to do a continuous shot. Like they immediately did it in Spectre. And then uh, I think a couple other big movies just like, oh, we got to do a one shot. You know, they did it on one scene though. They uh, they were too late. There's another franchise. Give me a fucking fun bond. There is a fun bond that we're going to cover next week on the full scene podcast, but give me a fun bond. He's become so serious. I mean, I don't need it as like unserious. Roger Moore was a hammy James Bond. Yes. Like some of those character names. Games. I can't well, believe well, Brosnan Hello, was the Hello. last fun one. Yeah. I think they said that the Austin Powers movie screwed them over. Yeah. They said yeah. because that's why they, they were afraid to do gadgets in the Daniel Craig movies because they were like, oh, we, you know, they made fun but of Yeah, them so give me much. some of those hammy Bond girls. Give me Xenia on the top. Give me Pussy Galore. Yeah. Like, give me that. Pussy Galore. Know, that's Hello, Pussy. It's now like, they come on. Yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll cancel Bond. Yeah, there's no way you'd be able to call a girl Pussy Galore. But next week, you're going to find out how we feel about Areola Canasta. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, so excited for that. All right. Well, stay tuned next week. Same pool scene time, same pool scene channel. In case you stumble onto us on accident again. Until then, Silencia. times don't last, but bad guys do. (laughs) 